0: Hey there sexy techies
1: hey everybody
0: so we are at episode 12 how exciting
1: 12 ooh tb12
0: uh dirty dozen are we just saying things that remind us of 12
1: yeah i guess so <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> i wasn't sure where you were going with that but i've really enjoyed this podcast i don't know about you but, Are you talking to me or the audience? Uh, when you say that? No, you. Well, <laughs> okay. yeah, actually both. <laughs> but um I've really enjoyed like getting to know you all over again because I mean, what, we've been together for, let's see. We've been together for what, 19 or 20 years?
1: 2004? Yeah, uh 19 years.
0: 19 years. Oh my gosh, we're almost at the point where I've known you longer than I didn't know you. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. In life. Anyway. Time flies. Time flies when you're doing a podcast. So what I love about this is that, yes, I've known you for like 19 years. However, every time we do a podcast, I feel like I learn something either new about you or I just rediscover something that, you know, I kind of just stored away in the back of my mind about you. So I thought that maybe um, it would be a good time to talk to you about something that I don't know if a lot of people really understood or knew about you because you kind of mentioned that you've been in Y Combinator or YC like a few times um, on this show. Um, It was a it was a time that I wasn't with you, like really. So (laughs) I'd love to hear a little bit. I mean, I've heard I've heard you talk about it, but it'd be really cool um, for you to just kind of do an episode where you kind of like explain a little bit about what Y Combinator is, like how it works. And um, we'll do it kind of like interview style. Like I'll be I'll be like Andy Cohen from um, those Bravo reunion shows and I'll interview you.
1: Okay. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> that sounds good. So May approached me with this idea and I think it's a good one. Uh, I get questions from a lot of people about, you know, what was that thing that you did in San Francisco? Um, and, you know, that's for people who don't really know what Y Combinator is, but, but people who do, you know, they ask, so what did you do in Y Combinator? Um, And just tons of people on the internet want to know, you know, what goes on and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think hopefully this will be a good episode. Hopefully it'll be entertaining, uh, but hopefully it'll be useful for, you know, people who actually are thinking of applying or just don't know what it is and want to learn more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's just start with the very basics. What is Y Combinator? Actually, how do you spell Y Combinator? Because in my mind, the whole time I was thinking it's (laughs) (laughs) W-H-Y.
1: No, you weren't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just the letter Y. And then it's just like it sounds. C-O-M-B-I-N-A-T-O-R.
0: Yep. Y Combinator. Do you happen to know what that Y stands for?
1: It's basically just a computer science thing that, you know, only... The nerdiest of nerds would know what it means. <laughs>
0: okay, got it, got it. All right, so kind of wh- like
1: Hoya Saxa for <laughs> uh, <laughs> computer scientists. Okay,
0: say no more. Yep, yeah. <laughs> it's really cool, you guys. Okay, so what what is Y Combinator?
1: Yeah, so Y Combinator is a startup accelerator uh, that primarily invests in early stage companies. Uh, it was actually the first startup accelerator uh, ever created.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so it was founded. It you know basically. Y Combinator pioneered this, this space, Mm -hmm. this sort of new thing, Mm -hmm. which is investing in early stage companies and providing them with guidance and sort of like a, a, almost like a boot camp type style of program. Uh, It was founded by four co-founders. I've mentioned Paul Graham and Jessica Livingston on this podcast before. Right. The two others are Trevor Blackwell and Robert Morris. Y Combinator operates two batches per year. Um, A batch is just a a group of companies that they've climbed. Like a
0: class or something? Like the class? Yeah, it's like a cohort um, of
1: companies. Um, They are three-month programs that happen out in San Francisco. Currently, there's about 200 to 250 companies that they invest in each batch. Hmm. If people, you know, for developers... The Hacker News website is uh, run by Y Combinator. It's one of the most popular websites for software engineers and developers. Right. Um, I've heard in of the Hacker world. News. I didn't yeah.
0: realize that it was um, associated with Y Combinator.
1: Yeah, the domain is news.ycombinator.com. Oh, okay. Makes um,
0: sense. <laughs> I didn't look at the domain. I just knew no, it. no. Just letting everybody <laughs> else know.
1: So, I mean, if you want to learn more about Y Combinator, um, just to preface this all, I'm not. Employed by Y Combinator. I'm not a partner at Y Combinator. I was a founder that was uh, that went through Y Combinator. So I was, you know, my company was invested in by Y Combinator, and so I have my experiences to share, and you know everything that I've learned through the research that I've done, uh, other founders that I've talked to. Um, but you know, go to Y Combinator.com. Uh, they have a lot of information there. Also. Just if you're interested in startups in general, mm-hmm. check out paulgram.com. And one of the first links at the top left should is something called Essays. Um, he writes, he's like the most prolific writer on startups mm-hmm. that there is. Oh. So if you want to learn basically anything there is to learn about running a startup, starting a startup, finding a co-founder investing, uh, you know, how investments in startups work, all that sort of stuff, check out his site.
0: Yeah, no, that's probably really interesting um, information. So like, just the credibility of Y Combinator, can you speak to like any of, I don't know, some companies that have gone through Y Combinator, maybe even like some people that we might have heard of, I might have heard of?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can give you several that most, if not everybody listening would probably know of some we've already talked about in the past yeah so airbnb okay is one yeah uh twitch is another that we've talked about reddit
0: oh okay that started at y combinator yep uh reddit
1: was in the first batch of y combinator the very first one in 2000 summer of 2005 okay um instacart and doordash were both y combinator backed companies
0: um do you know if they were in the same class or anything i think they
1: were about a year apart i think they were a year or so apart that's like interesting. 2012 and 2013 or so uh, around then don't quote me on that but you can look it up. Okay. Um yeah so Y Combinator will invest in companies that are in the same space. Um yeah. there there are other examples of that as well. Uh Mixpanel and Amplitude are two like analytics type companies Got that it. are both huge um, and were invested in by Y Combinator. Uh just some others are Stripe, uh Zapier, Mm. Coinbase, if people are in, into um, crypto investing, um, that's one of the largest online exchanges for crypto. Yeah. Um, Dropbox. Okay. Another. Those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. But there's like, uh, I mean, it's been they've been at this for 18 years, so like they've invested in like 4,000 companies right. at this point.
0: And are they all, I guess, like tech-based, software app-based, or are there like actual hard? physical products that they also invest in. Uh,
1: yeah, no, they invest in any company, really. A lot of them are software. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of hardware companies as well. Um, I think there was there was one in my batch that was working on, like, flying, like, h- hovering motorcycle-type things or something oh. like that. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, very,
0: like, back-to-the-future, uh, I don't know, like... <laughs> Uh, punk (laughs) yeah there was
1: another one in my batch actually that was um you know how you go to the salon and get your nails done it was basically like a machine that automated that so like so cool yeah so like you put your hand in this machine and i guess you go on the computer and say what you want for a uh manicure
0: yes that's what it's called <laughs> the, the,
1: the painting of the nails <laughs> you look
0: so confused and
1: um and it, it does it so
0: that's awesome i've i feel like i've even like seen an ad for that on facebook or something yeah i don't, I don't know, know how they're the doing one. or
1: if they're if that company's still around or, or what but um yeah. yeah so all sorts of different companies
0: so how how do you get in like uh, these what 200 companies that are accepted out of how many like how how, how do they get in
1: somewhere between 10 to 20,000 um, wow. companies apply each each um, batch uh-huh. so wow. twice a year That's uh, yeah and they accept a couple hundred. So I think the latest statistics were somewhere around one and a half to two percent of the companies that apply get in. So it's really it, there's only two steps. So you apply you fill out an application on their website mm-hmm. you have to create an account on Y Combinator. You fill out this application. Um, there's written questions about your company and you and your team. Uh, you submit a video introducing oh, yourself yeah. to I, your... Yeah, I do remember, you
0: remember? I remember helping you with that video.
1: Yeah. So my co-founder um, actually lived in the Boston area and he flew down here so we could film it together. Yes. Um yeah may helped out with uh Mm -hmm. recording and then um yeah we did several takes and yeah
0: like i was like i don't think you guys should be leaning back so much i think you should be (laughs) going forward and i think that's what it was well your advice
1: paid off (laughs) so at the application stage actually they just had an application deadline i think last week so they take a few weeks to review all the applications uh maybe almost a month or so Mm -hmm. and they send you an email and let you know if you got in or if, or if, if you um If they'd like to interview you, you'll either get an email saying, yes, we'd like to interview you or no, not this time. Try Like you can can apply as many times as you want. And uh, many people do and don't get in on the first time and then get in later. Okay. So, I mean, with only, you know, one and a half or 2%, the largest probability is that you're not going to get in, especially on your first try.
0: Are people trying with the same product multiple times or when they apply again, they have a different idea
1: both that both happen um actually though when i knew a company uh i I knew the founders of a company that were applying the year the to the same batch that we got into Mm -hmm. and they did not get into that batch but they applied again the next batch and got in so i think they had more traction yeah um they'd figured things out a little bit more um right they'd yeah sort of just I, i don't even know if it was traction uh we'll talk about you know that sort of stuff too but there was something different about their application, their interview, right. and they got in the second time.
0: Nice. Awesome. Okay.
1: And then the second part is the interview. So if you get invited to an interview, um, you fly out to San Francisco. You meet with a few of the partners at Y Combinator. Um, I, I don't know if it's always three. I think it might be three or four. In our case, it was three. Okay. And you get like a 10-minute interview with the partners. They pay for your travel um, and expenses out there. Ah, uh, they reimburse you for it. So, yeah, I mean, they're and they're asking you questions. they're they're asking you tons of questions. it's It's ten minutes, and they're trying to get as much right. information out of you and also just to to get to know you as as best they can in yeah. that ten minutes. yeah,
0: i'm I'm like envisioning like shark tank style, like where are are you presenting to them, or are they really just asking you questions based on something that they've reviewed before?
1: Yeah, it's not really like Shark Tank. Shark oh. Tank's more for TV, you but just like burst my
0: bubble.
1: <laughs> so well they've already seen you, you have you include a demo video right. in, or okay. yeah, demo in your application mm-hmm. and you include like the the link and any login credentials that they'll need to use your if, if it's a you know prototype or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've already been able to play around with it. They, they've been able to uh, read about what you're doing. They're mostly just asking questions okay. in this interview.
0: Yeah, like more clarifying things. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you were like one of the lucky ones that got in on the first try of doing this. Like this, it was your first time applying. You got in. Do you have any like tips for people who want to go through YC?
1: Yeah. I mean, I consider myself very fortunate uh, to get in at all never mind just on the first try. Yeah. Um, I had been thinking about applying to Y Combinator for I don't know probably om- almost 10 years at that time and I would advise people to not wait that long. Mm. Um, you know I didn't I, I felt like I didn't have the right idea or you know I didn't um I didn't have the right co-founder, that sort of stuff it's easy to make up excuses but uh, you know eventually once i once I decided like I really wanted to do it, You know, I figured that stuff out. So, I mean, I'll say a few things um, about just tips for people, uh, I guess, on the application side and on the interview side. One is I mentioned they get 10 to 20,000 applications per Mm -hmm. batch, Mm -hmm. which means. They are just reading a ton of stuff. You have to figure out a way to stand out. Right. It's um, like a
0: college essay. Like, what? What do you do to stand out?
1: Yeah. It, it. kind of is like a college essay, except much more brief. They. You know. You want to be brief. You want to be concise. You want to have some sort of key insight about your market mm-hmm. um, that others are overlooking. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you either. You want to explain why your market is big or why it's going to be big in the future. And like other people aren't, you know, something other people aren't seeing about the space that you're going to grow your business in team is super important. Uh, That's probably the most important thing, uh, Mm -hmm. for an an early stage company that, that Y Combinator is looking at even more important than your idea. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the team and the market that you're, that you're, um, working in or yeah, that you're building in. So they're going to want to see, you know, that you can build the thing that you're doing so, okay.
0: Interesting. So, do you have to be an engineer to get in?
1: No, you don't have to be an engineer, uh, and certainly not everyone on the team has to be an engineer. Um, you can be a designer. Uh, you can be a product manager. You can be because
0: you weren't. Well, I mean, market- you dabbled in like coding. no. Yeah, I mean, I was
1: I was an engineer. I didn't work. I, like it wasn't my day job. Right. But I I know how to code. You know, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I know how to build things. But yeah, it helps to have past experience. Like that's like if you've built past projects even if it's nothing that's gotten huge but you can show them you know oh i can build things pretty quickly um that's what they're going to want to see because you're going to you know when you're building a startup you're you're changing you're iterating so often especially if you haven't found product market fit like if you haven't if you don't have a product that meets a need yet and Mm -hmm. your you know sales aren't easy to come by Mm -hmm. then you might be changing your startup multiple times while you're in the three-month batch, right? Uh, we we kind of did that um, right. in a sense. You know, we stayed in the same market, but the the product kind of shifted. Yeah, and then get feedback on your application. Um, get you know, share it with friends. Make sure that somebody who does not understand your mm-hmm. market or your your startup, you know, like especially if it's technical, make sure they can understand when they're reading it. Because you know, just because these founders, the, these partners at Y Combinator um, get all these applications doesn't mean they're necessarily experts they're all experts in every field mm-hmm. so like you might be building something in some crazy industry you know maybe you're doing something in i don't know in astrophysics or something like that and they may not have an astrophysicist right. <laughs> yeah. on the, you know yeah. on staff so i'm sure they'll have more familiarity than most people but like don't use buzzwords you know and and be concise also reach out to past yc founders yeah. to review your application
0: Where can they find them? Is Um, it just like a Google thing?
1: Threads. You can go on Threads or Twitter. Mm -hmm. If you search for Y Combinator or or YC Founder, that sort of thing, um, you can find people. Usually around the time that applications are due and interviews are happening, you'll actually find YC Founders on Twitter. And I mean, Threads is brand new, but I assume this will happen on Threads too where YC founders are saying if anybody needs um, help with their application or or, uh, more often it's with the interview. So like once you've gotten, once they've narrowed it down and selected you for an interview, if you need help prepping for the interview, Mm. um, it's great to get as much practice as you can. And especially from somebody who's gone through it before, um, they'll know how to like ask you questions in the same way and try and, you know, throw you off
0: I kind of remember you doing like some practice sessions. Yeah, we probably
1: did ten different practice interviews with um, former founders and just anybody. Yeah, that that we could.
0: Did you feel like their feedback was pretty consistent, or were there like conflicting like feedback that you would get?
1: I mean, when you're when you're in the interview, there there's three partners there. At least there were for us. There were and two were bombarding us with questions. Mm. The other one was basically just observing, Mm. and. One of the things that they want to make sure is... So they're also watching your body language. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to make sure that you don't get flustered easily. They, yeah. th- and they want to make sure that you don't get defensive, right. um, that you're open to feedback. Um, so they're going to mm. they're gonna try and, you know, trip you up. And I mean, they're really good at interviewing.
0: Kind of get under your skin a little bit or frustrate you. Yeah.
1: And just see how you react yeah. because, yeah. you know, they they want people there who are willing to take their advice. Right. Um, and, and like level-headed. Yeah. Founders. Yeah.
0: yeah. But in terms of your practice with other YC founders, um, you said that you had like, you know, 10 different like practice interviews. Did you feel like the feedback from those people were consistent or did you get like conflicting feedback? Like, did they know the YC model pretty well to like be able to advise consistently?
1: To some degree. You know, nobody's perfect and... I mean, it, this was five years ago at this point, too, so I don't remember exactly. Right. But in general, it was helpful. I mean, yeah. it was just helpful to get as many sort of reps in as you as we could.
0: Right, right. Okay. So you kind of talked about how, you know, you you were thinking about going into YC for 10 years at that point, and you're like, I should have gone in sooner. Why is that?
1: Well, I, th- I just think I should have applied sooner. I think you... Like, when you look at the application, it can be a little intimidating, and you can decide not to do it just because you think, oh, I'll never get in. Um oh, okay. and, and if you have that mindset, then you're just never going to do it. Right. So I, I just meant that, you know, it's, it's worth doing it just to, like, and the Y Combinator partners say this, too, like, filling out the application is... A worthwhile endeavor in itself because Mm. it asks you a lot of questions that get you to think deeply about your company and the market that you're operating in. Yeah, and that's just a useful exercise for anybody who's starting a company. Right. You don't need to create a business plan, Um, and that's a a, like a common misconception and question that people ask. We didn't create like a, a single business plan. Business plans for tech startups, early stage tech startups are basically a waste of time Mm, um they 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 take a long time to create and they usually change yeah and and you know you could be using that time building your product and talking to customers like that's that's what you need to be doing
0: that makes sense i get that so yeah the reason i asked that because i didn't realize i didn't know if it was an age thing or not because i did go and visit you on the tail end of your your journey out there and um, we hung out with some founders um that we met and (laughs) i felt like we were um, the geriatric <laughs> group um, at the time. And we that was also five years ago. So like we, we, we yeah. were old, but like it, the demographics that I saw, I felt like, you know, you were one of the older ones. But um, didn't they call you like grandpa or something? <laughs> I don't
1: think so. <laughs> no. I think you're just making that okay.
0: up. <laughs> Maybe I just tease you about that. But like, is it all people just out of college?
1: So I was 33, uh, I think, when I went through Y Combinator. No, it's not all people right out of college. There are, that is a large percentage of people, um, you know, just out of college age or, you know, some drop out of college to start companies. Right. Uh, not a huge percentage. But yeah, there's a lot of people in their early to mid 20s. I think it's easier to do at that stage of life. You have fewer responsibilities. Yeah. If any. <laughs> right. You can, if you don't live in the area, it's easier to move uh, there. Yeah. Um, that's another reason that, you know, I, I would have liked to have, tried to get in earlier. I mean, life is less complicated when you're in your early to mid twenties than it is when you're in your thirties and have kids and have a house and a mortgage and you know, all that stuff. So yeah, but no, uh, there were people in our batch and there are people in every batch that range probably from late teens to 60, maybe even 70 years old.
0: Wow. Late teens. I'm sorry. I'm just like thinking of myself as a late teen and there was no way that I was like, Starting a company or a business. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I mean, admirable. I maybe, mean.
1: you know, they graduated high school and yeah. had an idea for a company and were great engineers and yeah. that sort of thing.
0: All right. Well, that's really great. And so, you know, after the interview process, what, what actually happens like once you get in? I mean, from my perspective, it was my husband left for three months. <laughs> <laughs> then he came back so happy.
1: So if you get accepted and you decide to participate in the program Y Combinator invests currently they invest $500,000 in your company wow. and they get a 7% equity stake okay. in your company so they own 7% of your company
0: and that's non-negotiable like that is what it is when yeah. you sign up to go yeah okay.
1: so it doesn't matter where you are in your company mm-hmm. um they you know it's it's standard it makes it easier for them and for everybody there's they don't have to negotiate every deal And they also get the right to invest in future rounds, um, Mm. uh, you know, along with other investors. So if you decide you're going to raise another round of funding and Y Combinator wants to invest, they get the right to do that. That dollar amount has changed over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, in the first batch, we talked about this in our Twitch episode, I think, but uh, back then they were investing, it was like per founder that they gave a certain amount of money. Um, And I, I think it worked out to be somewhere around like 20 grand. For the team, if there was a team of like three founders, yeah. Now it's five hundred thousand. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, and with with that five hundred thousand, they they changed their standard deal last year, so they actually increased the amount of funding. If you do go on to raise another round, they I think in your next round, they they also get a small percent of your company. So when I when I was in Y Combinator, I think they invested. $150,000 for 7%. It's always been 7%.
0: Okay, interesting. So I know you said like it doesn't really matter like where you are like in your business. Like, it's the same amount. Do you already have to have sales in order to get in? Or like, could it be like this pipe dream that you know, you never pitched to anybody? Like what, what's like the state, like the, the spectrum that we're looking at?
1: No, you don't have to have sales. You plenty of people get in with just an idea. I mean it's more than just an idea like you have to have the idea and usually you have some sort of prototype or mm. sketch or something demonstrating you know that that you have an you know that like you know what you're going to build okay um it's much easier if you have at least like a working demo mm-hmm. but not everybody does and as far as sales uh, I looked up the statistics for the last batch that there are statistics for so the winter 2023 batch of the companies had no revenue when they started Y Combinator.
0: Oh, wow. That's a lot of faith.
1: Yeah. So the barriers to being accepted are probably lower than people think in terms of like traction and how far along they need to be with their product. Right. But they're still, I mean, they're they're not low, though, because of how many people apply and how low the acceptance rate is. And, you know, I mean, you still have to be a, you still have to be, a great potential founder um, mm-hmm. or already founder and you know they have to see something in you or your you and the space that you're that you're working in
0: so then after like the three months of a batch do you know how many companies you know actually maybe don't succeed at the end of the batch like they fold versus like others that continue to move on
1: well I mean Y Combinator is now investing five hundred thousand dollars in your company so that should last you yeah, a while. Yeah. So uh, I don't think too many companies are, are folding. I mean, some some companies are extremely expensive to operate, mm-hmm. uh, especially like hardware companies or you know think software companies usually don't fit in this category. If you're building something that's that's just really expensive to build because of the materials or whatever, then you know you could run through that pretty burn through that pretty quickly. But no, I don't think very many companies just die at at the end of the batch and if they do it's not because they ran out of money it may be because of co-founder conflicts maybe they just realize that their initial uh, I mean what what's more common is you realize that your initial idea is not viable um for whatever reason and you pivot to something else right but I mean that's part of the reason that they invest that amount of money in you is like you, you need a fighting chance to make this company work.
0: Yeah, so you have the time to kind yeah. of explore.
1: Yeah, right. Um, in, in case, I mean, most companies don't end up doing exactly what they applied to Y Combinator to do. Sure. They, they pivot into something else, sometimes a related field, sometimes something completely different.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense.
1: Just an example uh, with Twitch, right? They they applied, actually they had mm-hmm. applied, to, yeah. uh, the founders had applied once before that, two of them, to create a like a calendar application software right that didn't work out uh they applied again they applied with justin tv um, to film justin khan's life and put it on the internet and that morphed into twitch which just lets people stream live stream video games on the internet
0: so you know for those who apply and get that you know initial investment um and get in like what happens after you get in
1: you are required to live in the San Francisco Bay Area for three months, for the three months of the batch. That requirement was lifted during COVID, so they still ran batches during COVID, and they were remote.
0: I was going to ask you about what happened during COVID.
1: Yeah, now they're back in person, and so you have to move out to the San Francisco Bay Area, which I did in 2019. It lasts for three months. So this is in addition to the investment. This is like what else you get from Y Combinator, basically. One is you do biweekly group office hours with your partners at Y Combinator. The partners are the founders of previously successful companies. Um, Either they went on to exit to, you know, they became public companies or they sold to another company. Yeah, they were acquired, that sort of stuff. There's typically like six or eight companies in your section um like they they split out companies into smaller groups Mm -hmm. and so you meet with the partners they will you'll talk about your metrics um how you're doing on your like with your metrics because you'll have defined goals coming in from the last session um you'll talk about any problems that you're facing you'll get advice you'll hear what problems other companies that are similar like they they try and group people together in similar spaces Mm -hmm. so you can learn from each other Mm -hmm. And you set goals for the next couple of weeks. And then you, I mean, you spend most of your time building your product, but then they do weekly dinners where they will cook for the, I mean, they'll cater in for the entire batch. They used to, they, they used to actually cook uh, when it was a, oh a smaller, you know, when it was just 10 <laughs> or so companies. They have these talks that are given by mm. the founders of current companies that will come in and- talk to the founders a lot of times they're current uh they're, a lot of times they're y combinator companies like mm-hmm. th- when i was there um the founders of airbnb oh, okay. um brex is another company docker and yeah. yeah they come in and uh share their stories and answer questions and that sort of stuff one of the other big benefits of y combinator is demo day yeah so at the end of the three months there is a, what they call a demo day, where Y Combinator assembles, basically like all of the A-list venture capitalists and investors mm-hmm. uh, from around the country and around the world come to San Francisco to hear the pitches of these 200 plus companies. And Y Combinator preps you for that event. So they help you figure out what to value your company at, um, how much you should raise or try and raise. They help you work on your presentation, uh, how to work, like how to, they help you know how to work with VCs. Mm-hmm. It's basically like the, it's kind of like the Super Bowl of right. venture capital yeah, investing. It like if it was like a, yeah, it was like yeah. a one day. Actually, it's two days because the, the batches are so big. So they, they okay. split it into two two separate days. Um, Is but,
0: it like different audiences for each day?
1: I mean, some investors might come to one day and, and not the other if, if there are specific companies they're interested in, but most would come to both days. Did
0: you meet a lot of VCs at Demo Day? Like how was your Demo Day, I guess?
1: Yeah, so basically we went on stage for I can't remember exactly how long the presentations are. They're only a couple of minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, we get up on stage, we present to an audience. There are actually a couple of presentations going on at once in different rooms basically, yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's a pool of investors that are that choose to be in that room at the time mm-hmm. usually especially for the larger uh vc firms they'll have multiple investors there so that they can have somebody in each uh each room so that they have somebody listening to all the presentations mm-hmm. and you know you, you do your presentation um after you're done investors that are interested in your company sometimes will come like right up to you mm-hmm. and you know start talking to you asking you questions about your your company and how much you're Raising, I mean, you you say that in your pitch anyway. Yeah. But you know, you talk about those things. You other times you're just walking around like it's like a networking event. Right. Um, also, so you're just bumping into other investors. Some of the investors are past Y Combinator founders. So sometimes they're just interested in what your company's doing. So you're getting advice that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like one big networking event um, slash deal making event. A lot yeah. of a lot of deals are done right there yeah Um, some of them are done before demo day um you you know you some people start meeting with investors even before demo day oh Um, that's
0: like legal allowed
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's it's allowed you can do whatever you want you know it's your company but um it's it just depends on what stage you're at yeah really right um and for most companies it makes more sense to spend all that time building your company Mm -hmm. because the the more traction you can get by demo day, the more your company's gonna be worth. Yeah. So if you're spending all your time, I mean, raising venture capital is like a full time job. Mm-hmm. So if one of your founders is spending all their time doing that, I mean mm-hmm. th- they basically have to be spending all their time doing that. And that means they're not writing code, yeah. they're not making calls to customer like to potential customers, they're not growing your business, right. basically. So right. most of the time, you know, the deals are are done after demo day, but like the introductions happen on demo day. Yeah. But some Some close, you know, that same day.
0: So do you ever meet like any like potential investors that, you know, at that point in demo day, it's not the right fit or that's not like the kind of, you know, company that they are looking to invest in, but you have now like built a network of possible investors for another product later down the line?
1: I mean, that's, it's possible, uh, but likely if they're not the right investor for you, in that company you're probably not going to have a very long conversation with them oh so um yeah so that's less likely um but i mean if you build a successful company and you are acquired for a lot of money or you go public or something like that yeah a lot of investors are going to want to talk to you about your next company
0: got it okay yeah because like the sales girl in me is just thinking about like when you go to a networking event you're just trying to pick up as many like business cards as possible and keep them like in your back pocket for like something that you know comes a A product or something that you're like oh this is a good fit for that person
1: yeah you don't um i mean you want to be more targeted than that because like you're you're trying to close your round at that point like you've got i mean if you have no problem doing that then sure you can mingle and like do do that sort of stuff but like your primary goal is you know you have a set you have a a target in mind let's say i think we wanted to raise five hundred thousand dollars right um and that's considered closing your round. When you get to five hundred thousand dollars of investment, mm-hmm. that's your that's your primary goal. And one of your founders is working solely on that goal mm-hmm. um, until right. until you do that, or until you decide. You know, like let's say you only get to four hundred thousand, and you decide, all right, that's we're going to stop there. Like then that becomes your round yeah. uh, that you raised four hundred thousand instead.
0: Okay. So, are there any other accelerators like YC out there? I mean, I've heard of some, but like for very niche companies or markets
1: yes and no uh there are a ton of accelerators out there now um if you google startup accelerators you'll probably find hundreds of them are there any like yc i i've never gone through any of them um none of them have the same reputation that y combinator has Mm. so i i can't really answer that but i can tell you like i have seen there's different models Uh, so some some invest like Y Combinator. Some don't. Uh, some mm-hmm. are just, you know, the advice portion mm-hmm. of the 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 equation. Some take different percentages of your company. You know, they may invest. Uh, I, I don't think anybody else invests as much as Y Combinator currently does.
0: Some, yeah, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, Maybe. I mean, when they upped it to 500,000, yeah, that was a pretty big increase. Some actually charge the company an amount to be in their accelerator. Interesting. Yeah, I would say... You know, stay away from those. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you don't need to participate in that that type of accelerator. Uh, some do it and say like, uh, you know, you'll get it back if you complete the program or that, and they want to just make sure that you're Dedicated. invested. Yeah. yeah, I don't really buy that. I think they need to do a better job picking companies and picking people if they you know if they think that you might not be invested in building your company. Like,
0: yeah, interesting.
1: So. Yes. There's plenty of them out there. Uh, you can find others. I, I won't mention any specific names, mm-hmm. but just yeah. do a Google search. You can find others.
0: Yeah. Um, so kind of thinking about your own experience, maybe y- you can kind of talk about what you entered YC with, like your company, your idea, um, and just kind of talk a little bit more about like your personal story with YC. So um, and you said that like one of the biggest things that they look for is that you're able to describe your product or your company to somebody who has no idea or like really isn't in the industry so can you maybe like tell me what your company did and explain it to me like like what Michael Scott says explain to me like I'm 10
1: (laughs) yeah so this was one of this was a big challenge for us because our company did something very technical yeah so Our company, like the the simplest way that I can explain it is our company helped software engineers who maintain open source software projects make money.
0: Okay. What do you mean by open source software products?
1: Open source software projects are... So open source software means that the code is available on the internet to anybody who wants to use it. You can copy it to your own computer and you can run it yourself or you can make changes to it. Um, if, and if you want to make changes to the actual project itself, you can do that. You can submit change, like, uh, pull requests. And the, the maintainer is the person who decides, do I want to incorporate that into the project? Um, they're the ones who build most of the things Mm -hmm. for the project. But I mean, there are, there's something like 50 million active open source projects on GitHub, which is the largest like repository where they're all kept Mm -hmm. some of them are tiny and no one's using them but a lot of them are being used by hundreds or thousands of businesses Mm. uh, because what will happen is a developer will you know say they need to build something into their application uh, like a let's just say like some sort of widget for a mobile application Mm -hmm. they could do it themselves or they could look and see what somebody else has already created and they can and, and they might say, oh, wow, somebody's already done exactly what I need. I'm not going to spend all the time to build it myself. I'll just use this project, incorporate that package into my software, and I'm good to go. Yeah. Um, the problem becomes, what if there's a bug with that, that package? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're using their code, somebody needs to fix that bug. Uh, what if you need a new feature related to that package and it needs to be built into it? Then the maintainer is in charge of all that stuff. And oftentimes they're not paid anything because they just create... It's like I write some code on my computer at home and I publish it out there just like I publish an article mm-hmm. and someone else says, oh, I want to use that code too. Yeah. And then you end up getting, you know, if you're lucky, <laughs> I'm using lucky in quotes, if you're lucky, you know, 100,000 companies are using your software, Right. but they're not paying you anything because it's free. Like you just put it out there. You didn't know that there, that many companies were going to use it. Yeah. But then they're all asking you to, to make changes to it and do things. And so we were trying to help that person Mm -hmm. create a sustainable business Mm -hmm. around their projects. Yeah.
0: And their, their skills and their time that they're
1: spending on. And that's, it's it's a lot of times if it gets to be that big, it's not one person. Like they'll, they'll have like a team. uh, Yeah. Other people will start making a lot of changes and they'll say, Oh, do you want to join the team? Like, you know, and so then you have co-maintainers of these projects, but like there's some massive projects so, and some are run by companies. Mm. So like Google and Facebook um, and Twitter, like they all have yeah. these internal open source projects that, so in that case, you know, these people are paid because they're, they're employees right. of the company that create them. Yeah. Um, but things like React, which um, is a, an open source JavaScript framework. Python and Ruby are like mm-hmm. lang- like uh, programming languages. Um, yeah. They often have foundations around them that end up... You know, because they're used by so many people, these foundations get developed around them. Um, but there's so many others that just don't have any funding. Right. Like Shotcut. I use a-, a program called Shotcut to edit our videos yeah. for the podcast. Um, that's an open source project. Oh, okay. um, some of them are easier to monetize than others. Like if you can sell premium features... Um, Mm -hmm. that's one monetization strategy, but yeah, so that's basically an overview of like what we were doing and what the industry is, what the problem is.
0: Okay. What made you think to go that route? Like, did you, could you identify that problem yourself or like, was there some research that you did? Like, was that always the idea that you wanted?
1: So my co-founder, um, actually got that insight by talking to, um, one of his contacts Mm. and, he brought it up with me and we kind of just did some research in the in the space and decided that that's you know what we want that was the idea we wanted to apply with so that was the idea that we applied with Um, that was like the market that we applied with and you know that's what we spent the whole three months working on yeah we were out there and, and then you know the next year and a half or so
0: yeah I mean it sounds like it definitely addressed a problem and it was something that was needed so why did you leave
1: it definitely addressed a problem and one of the interest it was very interesting. Um, so I spent most of my time in Y Combinator uh, in the batch, like the the three months we were there and then when I came home, either writing code and, you know, building the application that we were working on mm-hmm. or finding potential leads. Mm-hmm. So basically the, the maintainers of these software projects, um, we would scrape github and basically find the email addresses for the maintainers that worked on these projects reach out to them and we had such a high percentage like hit rate of people who would take a call with us Mm -hmm. because they were interested in like
0: monetizing their work yeah
1: the problem like they felt the problem yeah right right? it wasn't it it wasn't that part was obvious yeah and nobody was solving that problem for them right um the challenge that we ran into was these weren't business people Mm. and most of the time they had a job Mm. so like they had they had another job unrelated to their project which required most of their time and a lot of the ways that that would have that they could have made money off of their project would have required a significant time investment so it's almost so so it's almost like well i kind of need to get paid to replace my full-time salary or I don't really want to get paid, you know, anything for this. Like, and that was the, that was the other part of this is like culturally a lot of the maintainers said, Oh, I'd love to get paid to, you know, to work on this project. But then when you told them the different options for how to get paid, it's like, well, you could, uh, we could help you actually partner with companies who use your platform and um, you could charge them for support, premium support contracts Mm -hmm. to maintain and fix bugs and things like that. Or, you know, some of them have premium feature requests they'd like you to build in. And the culture around open source is like, well, I don't know that I want companies to be able to set my roadmap for me. Um, you know, I, this is more of like a communal effort. And, you know, I like to set the roadmap based on what I think are the needs of the project. I don't want a company to be able to just pay me and say like, right. now you have to build this. Yeah. So right. there's, there's a lot of, there's like some different dynamics at play. And so it was very challenging. Like we... We, we made money. Like we had, we had plenty of sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had plenty of customers. Mm-hmm. But we didn't figure out a way to scale it mm-hmm. to like a venture-backed business. Okay. And that's what we were, you know, that's what you sign up for when, right. you, when you do this. You're not building a lifestyle business. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you have to build a company that can be worth hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. Yeah. And if, if you can't do that, you have to pivot. And so basically when it came, came time to like figure out what to pivot to, my co-founder had one idea that he wanted to pivot to that I wasn't really, you know, that it just wasn't my ambition. It wasn't something I was uh, passionate about or even like interested in. Or
0: like knowledgeable. Yeah. Or knowledgeable. Much, yeah. I wouldn't
1: have, I wouldn't have been able to help. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was clear to both of us, right. like that he wanted to sort of take this thing and run with it in a different direction. And so, I mean, I was able to exit like, mm-hmm. Uh, he bought me out mm-hmm. of the, the company and, you know, I, it had been a year and a half of, of a, a grind. Like mm-hmm. when you're, especially if you're working on a startup that doesn't have product market fit, um, and you're trying to find it, it's exhausting. Yeah. I'm um, sure. <laughs> so, and we were doing that for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was ready for a break and to do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, I mean, that's very admirable to, to know when, Like when it's time and to focus on, you know, other things or, you know, so that's awesome. When you kind of talked about what you were doing while you were at Y Combinator, you kind of said that like you spent a lot of your time coding and then also like going after um, a a lot of uh, potential customers and, you know, signing customers up. What, what What would you say you really spent like most of your time doing? Was it that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say so like the YC events type stuff that I mentioned earlier is like part of YC was probably only like 5% of your time, Mm. right? Spent Mm -hmm. in those sorts of meetings and dinners and talks and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the rest of uh, probably 90% of the time was just either writing code and, Mm -hmm. you know, building something or talking to customers, finding customers and talking to customers. Yeah, that's especially at that stage. That's all you can really do. And, I mean, we were we worked probably I don't know, 16, 18 hour days sometimes. Um, I did try and go to the gym as often as I could. That was like my one escape. That's I would go admirable. to the gym for like an hour or something like that. And didn't you
0: also have a bike?
1: I did. Well, yeah, I, had, I didn't. I didn't have a car, so I rode my bike to the gym. That's, um,
0: that's so San Francisco. Or yeah. So Silicon Valley of you.
1: I was, uh, you know, I was basically like a college student. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you <Pretty> know. Much. <laughs> Uh, so and dad. <laughs> yeah we worked basically uh just work yeah right? yeah so that's what we did
0: yeah so what would you say was your favorite part of yc
1: the funding was pretty good okay. so <laughs> uh i mean like there's
0: money driven n- Just kidding. no i'm, I'm just, kidding
1: yeah no i like that makes things possible that you know wouldn't otherwise be possible so that's
0: total it's a door opener yeah yeah
1: i mean right like i was able to leave my job right right, right. um so that's helpful uh seeing seeing that large amount of money hit your bank account is pretty (laughs) crazy uh but that's not like that wasn't my favorite part like that's just a cool thing yeah (laughs) um i mean i think the most valuable part was the probably the network Mm -hmm. um you know just the network of founders of partners that you're able to get advice from Mm -hmm. while you're there um they helped us shift our focus a couple of times and just think about different ideas also, you know, the network has opened up to me other opportunities after Y Combinator. I've done consulting for people from Y Combinator. I've gotten, I've had job interviews yeah. with people from Y Combinator. Yeah, I got a job with a person uh, that was a Y Combinator founder. So, you know, that's all super helpful. Demo Day was an amazing experience. I mean, pretty surreal Yeah, and I'm sure. also intense.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's a good like life event to kind of put in your back pocket Um, I think it's really cool that you talk about the network. I mean, that, that is a huge thing. That's also, I think the value of being able to move there for three months, like some people are like, why would you do that? You know, especially now that like, there's like all these like virtual components that you can do, but it really is like that face-to-face networking that you get. And I think it's also cool. I mean, you had just mentioned recently you you discovered that there's like a a YC network here where we live and they kind of get together sometimes so
1: yeah there is there's i mean basically th- there's so many companies now that there there are so many founders that were part of that have been part of YC that every city has a you know some number of founders that yeah. are living there so i think here in Tampa i think there's i mean this was this is pretty new but there's a, a a former founder who got a group together I think they're up to like 25 uh, founders that, you know, will go out and get dinner and have drinks and talk about what they're up to now, companies they, you know, might, you know, they're thinking of starting, that sort of stuff. so so Yeah, it's a cool network to have.
0: Yeah. And Tampa actually recently, in the past, what, five years or so, has become one of the big, like, startup, like, hubs in the United States. I mean, obviously, like, Silicon Valley is definitely, like, the main one, but... Um, more startups um, had been moving to Tampa.
1: Yeah, more are I wouldn't call it a, one of the big startup hubs in well, the United States, I have but a lot Miami pride. <laughs> Miami likes to con- consider themselves one and it's definitely a you know a bigger startup scene than Tampa. Um, but it's growing. Yeah, um, you I know think there's so. there's some I've promise heard. there.
0: I've heard, I've heard, definitely. All right. And so for every good thing, there's always an area of improvement or development so what would you say was your least favorite part of being in yc
1: i hear you uh <laughs> pose that question to people who are interviewing for your company <laughs>
0: um <That's> my favorite
1: <laughs> my least favorite part of yc was being away from home Aww. um well i mean I had a, I had you, and and we had a two year old at the time. I know. So, uh, you know, being out there for three months was pretty challenging. So, yeah, that was that was the most difficult part. I mean, it was also, but I think it was also a necessary part. For sure. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, building, participating in the program and building your company at that level is just such an intense experience yeah. that, like, you can't be home and present for y- your spouse and child. Like, it's really difficult right. to. Uh, you know, uh, there there just would have been expectations that I wouldn't have been able to fulfill. Right. <laughs> so. I mean,
0: like even uh, if you were to have done all of that, but like still like lived in Tampa, I probably wouldn't see you still as much as like you just like moving away because of like how time intensive it was. No, I totally get that. And some people have asked me like, you know, how did it feel with like Tony moving away for three months? And the, I we only had one kid. It wasn't like I now with two Luckily he was he was pretty good. He was an as awesome As far as kid. kids go. <laughs> yeah. Well he had a thing, but yeah. I mean, but he yeah, he was awesome. And one person with one kid is really not that hard. Honestly, the dog was the hardest part.
1: You're just making excuses. It was I mean, it was challenging. Like this.
0: I don't think so. No no
1: okay fine you're the one who was here yeah I'll do it again
0: well the dog was hard (laughs) the dog um weighs more than I do and um walking him because he's your he's your dog like I love I love our dog but like you know you're the one that always used to walk him and so he went a little rogue on me when we were while you were gone so he walked you a few times yeah yeah yeah. there were times I was like dragged across the lawn (laughs) yeah darn it so
1: I mean it was an incredible experience um I didn't, not since college, did I have the experience of like moving away somewhere <laughs> by myself, right? Like, this was, yeah, a, that's true. This was like that kind of experience. Like, I was in a different place. I had been to San Francisco, but I never lived there. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it was an amazing experience, but it was very challenging.
0: Yeah. But when you were living out there, did you even have time? Because, like, we know people that were out in San Francisco. Did you have time to? Meet up with people?
1: No, I don't think I met up with anybody right. that we know until after the program was over.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I actually, no, that's not true. I did I did meet up with a friend from college um, maybe once or twice. And actually, my brother Matt came out and visited uh, for one weekend. So my co-founder and I both, uh, his girlfriend actually came the same weekend to visit. So we both took that one weekend off and um i went to a the bruins were playing the sharks so we went to san jose and saw a game and then we went out to uh one night we went out to some bars and stuff yeah um and that was basically all of the uh the fun time i had right uh, well well, you know fun like traditional fun time i had while i was out there
0: well it's hard yeah when you're doing so much i mean were you able to did you meet anyone famous while you were like living in san francisco
1: it depends on your definition of famous. Uh, so,
0: like, no one from Bravo TV or The Bachelor for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, actually, I mean, I did meet one very famous person. Oh, um, but met in terms of like saying hello, like so. Still. So at demo day, what happens is all of the founders go into this building first, and then so you're there first, and then over time, between you know the thirty minutes or so before the event starts, all the investors start coming in. And so you're, you know, you're waiting for the investors to come in and you're kind of networking and stuff. And all of a sudden, I saw this person, this guy who looked very familiar. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's Joe Montana.
0: Oh, so you put your finger on it right away. Yeah.
1: Like, no, like he's, I mean, he's a very recognizable guy. And like, he was, uh you know, somebody that I knew growing up playing football, like that, right. you know, watching football. So... I was like, I think that's Joe Montana. And so I Googled Joe Montana and like found out what he's doing. And I didn't know that he he was a partner at a VC firm. And um. uh, I think he still is. So, you know, that's what he's up to after football. Yeah. I think he has his own wine label too. Um, but yeah, so. Don't they all? Um, you know, I, I I didn't really meet him, um, but I, I saw him there. I said yeah, hi to him. Cool. But I mean, there are plenty of like tech famous people that I met at Y Combinator Michael Seibel, uh, the founder of one of the founders of Twitch, yeah. um, and he was the CEO of Y Combinator while I was there. Uh, met him. Paul Buchheit was the creator of Gmail at Google. Oh, um, he was a he's a partner at Y Combinator.
0: And Google, like the Google headquarters, was like right there too. Yeah,
1: so right? YC's office was in Mountain View, and. Google's headquarters is there. Uh, I think they just recently moved it to into the city of San Francisco. Oh, okay. So, you know, people like that. I met plenty of, like, yeah, tech famous, like, founder type people. I, I think those are, people are pretty cool.
0: Oh, you know, you go geek out over that. <laughs> That's great. Good. Awesome. So, looking back at this, like, uh, what would you say are, like, the top qualities of someone who would be successful at YC if you were to think of three things, That if somebody is like listening and was like, "Gee, I wonder if I could. Gee, I wonder if I could. You know, make it. If I have the chops to make it at NYC, what would you say are like maybe the three most important things?"
1: Okay, I'm going to give them to you, not necessarily in a specific order.
0: I wouldn't expect it.
1: Uh, Okay. (laughs) So, one is at least somebody on the team should be technical, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be able to build something, right? Like you're. You're building a company, and you're and you're creating something. Whether it's writing code for software or building hardware for whatever you're you're working on, like there's you've got to have the technical knowledge to be able to do that. Okay. So, like, I mean, hand in hand with that is probably resourceful, right? Like, you you're not going to know how to do everything, right. um, And you can't be the type of person who's going to say, "Well, I don't know how to do that, so you know, I give up." You're going to run into so many challenges that you're gonna have to just figure out and that's what like software engineers do every day yeah like you get stuck somewhere and you google and you figure out how to fix it how to solve it right um and that's a specific type of person who can do that and wants to do that and like enjoys that yeah right um and then determination um Mm -hmm. or like you have to be relentlessly determined basically because you're gonna hit so many walls right um you're gonna you're going to feel like you're drowning, uh, like you're failing because you are. Um, And you have to, but you still have, you have to have this vision that you're, you know, striving towards Mm -hmm. and, and, and keep going towards that because like, there's going to be great days where like, oh, I got this big sale or like, oh, Mm -hmm. we finished this new, this feature that we've been working on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be like terrible days and and weeks, uh, stretches where, nothing good is happening and you're running out of money Mm -hmm. and uh you're banging your head against the wall because you can't figure out how to get more customers or like explain yeah i mean like you're you're not converting enough customers um enough prospects into customers or you know whatever you're gonna have all these problems right and you have to and you just have to keep working through that right and like you just have to if you stop you you die right? right like and your job is to not let your company die right and right. so you know you have to make your money last as long as you can until you until you find that product market fit yeah and you know can really like step on the gas right. and and just pour money on that thing right um until then like y combinator likes to say you have to live like a cockroach right like That's you, so funny. i've heard this you, you not should be not
0: from yc but like i've heard people use it yeah, yeah.
1: like you should be you know, eating ramen noodles and, and not like the kind that you can go out, like now there's like fancy ramen noodles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is like the, the cup cupo noodles. <laughs>
0: just add water. Yeah.
1: Like, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, and this is easier for people who are just out of college, yeah. right? Because they're used to that. Right. Right.
0: They're used to ramen noodles. Well, yeah. I mean, this,
1: it, it gets harder as you get older and, you know, more accustomed to a certain lifestyle for uh, sure, yeah. Fortunately for me, uh, you know, I never really uh, enjoyed that lifestyle anyway. So it wasn't too too much of a <laughs> change. But. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like all jobs have that ebb and flow of like highs and lows. It's obviously magnified so much more when you have so much at stake and you're a startup and like, you know, your your money is literally like dwindling down. But right. it's it's good to know that like if you are in a stage of life right now where like, you know, you're still seeing that like ebb and flow of highs and lows. It, it could be something that you, you'd be able to do and that you can do. You just have to have that like grit to be able to persevere. So knowing that, would you do it again?
1: In a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Not now probably. Uh, I I don't, I wouldn't do it while our kids are, uh, you know, while we have a three-year-old.
0: Not a four-year-old? <laughs> He's almost four. No, I mean, like, would you do it when, oh, oh. when he turns four? <laughs> like, what, what's the what's the? Cap? No,
1: I don't know. Um, no, you know, probably not in the next couple of years. But, yeah, I would do it again. I mean, it, like, take that out of the equation for, for sure. Like, uh, 100%, I'd do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, for the right idea with the right team and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's such a valuable experience. I mean, I wouldn't not recommend it to anybody who has these ambitions
0: right so would you be comfortable being that 50 year old in a sea of yeah younger i don't care yeah yeah because you're you're cool the way you are
1: no i just don't care (laughs) i mean it doesn't matter how old you are Uh, i mean if you can build a company um and you i wouldn't do it by myself um that would be another thing that i would advise people one, your chances of getting into Y Combinator are very low as a solo founder. Mm-hmm. They're not zero, but they're they're super low. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's just really hard to build a company by yourself. Like you're responsible for everything. Right. And it's a lot. Yeah. You need you sh- you should find somebody with complementary strengths and skills. For sure. To uh to work on with you, at least one person, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, two or three uh founders is probably ideal. So yeah, I wouldn't do it by myself, but I would, you know, if I found, if I, if I had the right team of people and like something that I was passionate about and yeah, I would do it. Yeah. i do it again.
0: Cool. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Like, again, I feel like I just rediscovered a whole nother side of you. I've heard most of this before, but it is really like, it's almost re-energizing to hear you and your passion, um, for startups and knowing that, you know, you're it's not it's not over for you and so i think that's like a really exciting thing to to think about (laughs) it's not over
1: for any of us
0: no it's not it's not over till it's not over till it's over
1: there you go um i will say if anybody has any other questions like just wants to know anything else about my experience or anything about y combinator that i would be able to answer feel free to reach out you can reach out on social media you can dm me on instagram um Whenever Threads gets that feature, you can DM me there. I'm t- Tony.com <laughs> on both. Yeah, and it, you know if you get to the interview stage in Y Combinator and, and you're listening to this, reach out. I would be happy to do a mock interview with you.
0: And if there are any spouses or girlfriends or boyfriends of potential founders um, that want to know what it's like for um, their partner to be in Y Combinator, reach out to me.
1: <laughs> okay, everyone, you're probably wondering why podcasters are always like, hit the subscribe button. It means a lot. We'd really appreciate it. So if you don't know, more subscribers means more listeners to the podcast each episode. It's more likely that you're going to download a future episode. Also in the charts, that helps a podcast to grow, to get more listeners to be presented in front of a, a larger audience. Only about half or even less than half of the people who listen to the podcast each week are subscribed. So hit that subscribe button or that follow button. It will help the podcast to get more attention. It will help make sure that we keep giving it the attention that it needs to create a quality podcast that you all will hopefully continue to love. So hit that button. That's all we'll ask.
0: All right. It's getting late, but before we go... Do you know what time it is?
1: I do. I always do.
0: <laughs> what time is it, Tony?
1: It is time for our Hot Mom of the Week. Yeah, whoa, last time I checked, I'm still high.
0: That was really good. I You, you did I a good job with that. I can't believe you threw it over to me. Yeah. I was a little
1: bit like uh, thrown off and, you know, I was like, I don't know if I can do this.
0: I like to mix things up a little bit, you know, I don't. <laughs> one, one
1: out of every 12 times. There you go.
0: Um, so we were talking a lot about entrepreneurs and, you know, investors. And honestly, I really wanted to highlight, a, you know, trending mom that was a, you know, big venture capital investor but i honestly i I pulled up a list of like some of the best ones to find and either they were all men or they were um or the two women that i found on the list were not trending so Mm. they didn't have a huge following got it so that is
1: one of the problems with the uh the vc industry yeah Um, i was gonna say very male dominated
0: step that up but and and we will get there so i actually i had already been following um somebody named um Brianna Deerdick and i don't know if you are familiar with that last name
1: i am uh, <laughs> only because i listened to so there's this podcast that i listen to from time to time called my first million yeah and they interviewed rob deerdick okay. uh, a couple months ago and I think he mentioned who his wife was or I just found out who, who his wife was. But anyway, yes, is that's Rob Deerdick's wife, right? Yes, okay. yeah,
0: yeah. So Brianna is married to former pro skateboarder Rob Deerdick, who's now an entrepreneur and an investor through his venture studio Deerdick Machine. Okay,
1: but I do not know anything about her. So okay. I only knew that she was married to Rob Deerdick
0: Yes, right. And she's she's made more of a name for herself than just you know the wife of yeah. Rob Deerdick, so good I'm for her I'm excited to learn what that is <laughs> Yeah so she is an internationally published model and beauty and she's like in the beauty pageant circuit but she she comes from a very um, hard childhood and upbringing so majority of her life she was mentally sexually and physically abused so she's she's had to overcome a lot wow to get to the place that she's at right now at 10 years old She was diagnosed with a life threatening rare blood disease. um, And she was told she would only have a few days to live um, without a bone marrow transplant. So it got to the point where Make a Wish granted her a childhood wish. um, And that wish was to go to Hawaii and swim with the dolphins. Oh. So when that happened, she kind of um, embraced the. What is it called when you, like, you know, say it out loud and you put it out there in the universe?
1: Oh, like um like when you manifest something yes
0: yeah so she like embraced like the idea of like manifesting a better life for herself and because she was like wow i'm here in hawaii i'm enjoying and she was 10 i'm here in hawaii and i'm enjoying this so much i wish
1: i was manifesting things when i was 10 i know
0: know. imagine where we would be (laughs) um I think I, like, manifested, like, an extra cupcake or something, (laughs) and it happened. But um, she was like, I'm here in Hawaii. Like, you know, this is a really great life. Like, I need to have more of these experiences. So, I mean, obviously, she's our hot mom of the week, so she's still here today. (laughs) And um, she, like, overcame so much. And she now is the founder of Iconic Beauty, which is, like, a female empowerment brand, that encourages women in personal and professional endeavors to kind of just like uplift and inspire each other, it's just like this network of like a sisterhood. And she, like, she started that brand, um, but and she's also just like a really trending content creator. Like, she's really just embraced everything that's trending. Really, like one of her first TikToks, she introduced herself. With a get ready with me, which is a trending like th- thing that they do on TikTok. It's just basically like these women or these men that like are putting makeup on and getting ready and telling a story. And like these things go viral because a you're seeing their you know beauty regimen and then you're also listening to their story. So she did a get ready with me to to introduce who she is. She um, mentioned her her zodiac sign, her enneagram. Her Myers Briggs. She's right up your alley. Yeah. Oh. I know. She's like, she said all of the things that like our identifiers and, you know, things that we would say. Um, and one of the things that um, just is kind of new like, so last year, she was diagnosed um, with autism spectrum disorder. So, and she was like 30 something, you know, she was in her 30s. Wow. So she learned to live with like kind of like this late diagnosis. And she's, and at first, when she received the diagnosis, she was you know ashamed she shared it with some of her closest friends and it was not received well so she was like she was worried about it but now she's just like so public about it and has embraced it and it's become a part of who she is and she's learned how to you know live with autism and it's been beautiful and awesome
1: yeah that must be really interesting to be diagnosed in your 30s because you can probably think back to all these life experiences that you had and you can and you can be like, oh, like right. this maybe explains why or something yeah. like that. Or like, you know, then you can sort of think like, well, if this happens again, maybe. exactly. I mean, I don't know. I- I'm guessing that her her form of autism is not like very severe if she didn't know until she was in right. her 30s. Right,
0: yeah. Um. So and that is one of the things is that like it just paints a clearer picture of who you are right. and-, and what you can do in life, you know, based on based on the things that you have so um she's super inspirational i mean she's she's overcome a lot to be where she is right now and yeah her husband just so happens to be an entrepreneur and an investor and that is the link to but she it could very well step into that role at any point too so you know we've we have our eye on brianna So go ahead and follow her. She is Brianna Dyrdek on both TikTok and Instagram. And it is not spelled the way you think. So it is at B-R-Y-I-A-N-A-D-Y-R-D-E-K.
1: Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button.
0: And reach out on social media.
1: Dot coms.
0: And hot moms.
1: Signing off.